Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. It just blazes a fire over our head, just fire. Look around the room, just fire, 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 fire. All right, well, you know, we had a friend that used to go here. Her name was Latanya Lawless. She and her family attended here at the building. Any of you guys remember Latanya Lawless? Crazy lady. She was just full-blown crazy, and it was great because she fit right in, because so are we, and we miss her so much. We just miss all the craziness. Nobody kept it real like Latanya Lawless. So we have a picture of Pastor John, and she would always tell Pastor John, she's like, you're the safe black guy. You know, and he, he just had that safe black guy look, especially when he wears those glasses. And it was cool because I'm not sure, I mean, I'm sure no one in this room, you know, doesn't have black guy friends. They probably do have friends that are black. But other places, you know, you, know, you, know, you, know, you guys like how I say black. You guys like it. Um, but there are other people that, you know, they're like, I want to have a black guy friend, but he has to be like a safe black guy. You know, not the kind of black guy that walks in like DMX, like, oh, I'm going to go crazy up in here, ah, you know, or whatever it is that they, you know, the people that don't have the black guy friends think that black guys do. I don't know. I think, I think they feel like black guys come with this certain, ah, 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 you know, like they don't just talk, they bark. Ah. So some of the guys, you know, that have the black guy friends, they're like, okay, guys, so my black guy friend is coming. All you guys stay calm, keep it low, kill. You know, we don't want the black guy coming in, turning over tables, barking, right? But people that have Pastor John as a friend, safe black guy, like literally this dude, he can walk into any circle. I mean, I am a believer of this because there was this one time we were sent to this small group at a past church that we were attended. So there was this man. He was, he was kind of a, how would we describe him? He was like a mountain man. You know, just big beard, and he kind of looked like uh, that bomber, Unabomber guy. He did. He kind of looked like him. Um, he, he was really into CB radios and, you know, forestry and, you know, just kind of going off-road. So he was a little different, so no one wanted to go to his small group. Well, the pastor already knew. Say black guy. You know, I'm just going to send a safe black guy over there with his wife, the not-so-safe black lady, because that girl... <laughs> That lady is aggressive. I came in like, bah, bah, bah. but anyway. Um, so anyway, we go to their small group, and I sat there and I watched Pastor John literally just like find something to talk about with this dude that they had in common. Who knew that him and the mountain, the Unabomber, had in common CB radios? Pastor John knew everything about CB radios. He's like, yeah, and oh, the man's face just lit up. He from this day forward, he loves Pastor John. He sees him, he lights up, he grabs him, he loves him. Oh, that's my friend. That's my friend. John is my friend. And he, he'll tell you. He means it from the depths of his heart. Because when no one else wanted to come to his small group, him and his wife just sitting there with the chips and dip, no one was showing up. He'll never, ever forget the day that John Butcher came to his small group, and he was his friend. That meant a lot. So we all need a safe black guy in our lives like Pastor John. Let's give it up for Pastor John. That dude, that dude is something else. That, something else. I am so glad and honored to be his wife. Let me tell you, I'm so thankful for who he is. Uh, I, if I was not your wife, 
I, everybody in the first service is like, don't. <laughs> I hear you guys' thoughts, but I'm not listening. Everybody in first service is like, don't you do it. If I was not your wife, Pastor John, let me tell you, I, I, I really believe I'd come to your church just, you know, just to, just to be like, yes, Pastor. Yes. Yes. So I'm so thankful that God has saved me from a world and a life of lust. He saved me because it's not sin. I can be like, yes, amen, amen. So thankful for you. Thank you so much for pulling out of me what God has instructed you to pull out of me. I'm standing up here because I'm standing on your shoulders and you've paved the way for me to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for unwrapping the gift that God has placed in me. You so patiently unwrapped the gift. You went, you labored through all my hot mess, and you unwrapped the gift that God gave you. And I, I, I honor you so much. I love you so, so, so much, man of God. All right. So the title of today's message is, I am not safe. I'm not safe. I am not safe. Safe. If anybody served on my women's uh, core team this year, y'all know I am not safe. Like our meetings is like, careful, Kaya might come in, she might bark, she might flip over a table. Ugh, eh. It's it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. But somebody got to do it, and they they braved it and they did it. And I just want to give it up for my ladies' core team. Thank you guys so much for holding me up because I was leaning a lot this year, and I really appreciate who you guys are, and allowing God to work through you guys. This year's conference, all everything, every event that happened this year at the women's event was amazing, and I really give a lot of honor to you guys. Thank you so much. The scripture that we're going from today is Romans 1 and 16. 1 and 16, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek power. Ever since I was a little kid, I'm talking about big wheel days, like back in big wheel days. Anybody remember big wheel days? My kids did not know what a big wheel was. They're like, what is a big wheel? I'm like, poor babies. They just missed out on life altogether. You don't have a big wheel, you have not lived. I don't know if I failed them. I don't know if society, what happened to the big wheels? Where are the big wheels? They don't sell big wheels anymore? No, nobody's kids got big wheels? We've all failed. Anyway, I'm talking about back in Big Wheels days, riding my Big Wheels, because uh, you know the Big Wheel didn't really have real tires. It was like a plastic, hard kind of plastic. Great for sliding though. Great for the donuts, figure eights. Y'all did yes. I was not your average girl in the neighborhood, dude. I would outrace you on my Big Wheel, and I'll end it with a little shh at the end, like eat my dust on my Big Wheel. Back in the big wheel days, I wanted a Mustang, and I would pretend while I was driving my big wheel that I was in my Mustang, smoking everybody. And I said, when I grow up, I'm going to buy a Mustang. That's what I wanted. I wanted a Mustang. I remember when I was in high school, I was like, Mom, Dad, please buy me a Mustang. And what would Papa say? We ain't got no money for no Mustang. Sit down. You're going to take this Honda. It was like the little hatchback, flatback Honda with the little flat. It had like a little, like somebody just hit it. Like... He was like, you better call it a day. Congratulations. So I drove that. And Papa laughs all the time. He said, every day you showed up, there was a new dent on that. Because I was like, the, the Honda's not, it's not, it's just not like, it's not sliding. I can't do the donuts in the Honda. I was trying. And every day I came home with a new dent. And he was like, that's why you ain't got no Mustang. That's why. You waste my money. 
And I will never forget the day that I went to the sales floor, the car dealer, to buy my Mustang. I swear the dealer saw me coming. And I think one of the main mistakes I did was I took my friend Nakia with me too because salesman was like, we was like, they probably, you weren't with me? Oh, okay, you with me when I bought the Acura. Okay, maybe. Anyway, I swear the salesman probably saw me coming, sniffed me out, because I, I was 19 years old and all I knew was today's the day I'm gonna buy my Mustang. Oh, I was so excited. Oh, the whole transaction, it was lovely. I'm like, this is a piece of cake. Why don't people buy cars all the time? This was wonderful. I rolled off the lot and I'm like, look at them. They all looking at me. <laughs> and my Mustang was red. Y'all couldn't tell me nothing. Yes, yes. I was riding my Mustang, I mean, up and down the street. I'm like, everybody wants to race me. I don't feel like it. They, wants to they want to race me in my Mustang. I mean, they were looking at me. They were like, look at that girl in that Mustang. That's why I'm like, that's right. And I'll bust a donut on you in a second. The problem is I didn't have any brothers, no husband. Papa didn't go with me. I don't know where he was at. He didn't come with me. And I will never forget the day that I went to work and I told all the guys at the job, I'm like, got a Mustang. I drove it today. They were like, you drove your Mustang? I'm like, I sure did. Red Mustang, baby. Come out and see it. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget. We were in the elevator talking about it the whole time. I could not wait for all the guys in the office to see my Mustang. I felt so proud of my life. I'm like, look at how my life turned out. I mean, uh, since the big wheel days. <laughs> I have dreamed about this Mustang, and here I am, showing it to everybody, living my dream, baby, and it's red. I mean, that was like a boop. That was like a little, little cherry. Boop. I mean, I didn't even imagine it would be red, but it was a red. The symbolism of strength and America right there in the grip of my hands as I rolled that red Mustang, baby. They wasn't ready. I was so offended when the guys got down there. They looked puzzled. They said, pop the trunk. No problem. Boom. The hood. Yeah, there it was. The hood. <laughs> I'm so knowledgeable of cars. Yes, I know my cars, right? Pop the hood. I pop the hood, and they begin to laugh. And I remember my confidence went from here to here. It was like a slow, gradual, death-like <laughs> descent. As they laughed, I mean, they took a while. I mean, they couldn't, like, catch their breath, kind of laugh, like, ah, 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 ah. So I went from, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what, what is it, what, 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 what? They were like, dude, it's a four-cylinder. You, there, there's only one tailpipe? Dude, it's an automatic. Ah, laughing. And they're like, how much did you pay for this? And I told them, they're like, ah, ah. high-fiving each other. I'm like, you know what? Close my hood. Give me my keys. All y'all, back to work. Get out my face. Back to work. I was so hurt. I'm like, well, no. Yeah, I, it's a Mustang. Like, I didn't realized that I was supposed to be concerned with what was under the hood. I didn't know to care about the power. I just cared about the symbolism. I just cared about how it looked and that it fit what I thought my vision of strength and achievement looked like. And on the outside, there it was. It was red and it was a Ford Mustang. I mean, it wasn't a Mitsubishi Mustang. It's a Ford Mustang. And I didn't know that I should be concerned with 
the power of it. And Paul is explaining in the text that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. And if we're not really truly paying attention, we'll miss it. Because for most of us, we're just happy with the symbolism. We're just happy with what it looks like. I attend church. Here's my selfie to prove it. We do the do's and the don'ts. And yes, praise God. God is good all the time. And all is God all the time. God is good. Like, I know the script. I know what to do when people are watching because I got the posturing and everything. I got the symbolism, the outside of the Ford Mustang. Boo, it's done. Wax it up every once in a while, too. Wax it up. Nice and shiny symbolism of being saved. I'll never forget on Halloween, my mom, she was super fun. She, we'd have this heaven and hell parties on Halloween at, our, at the Baptist church. And mom would always volunteer her house to be the hell house. She decorated and we create this whole little course. And we'd put the kids in wheelbarrows. And we'd push them through this little, this little uh, it's almost like a make-believe Disneyland ride or something. And in the midst of the course, people, different people from the church would be like, blah, 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 you know, jump out. And they'd be like, ah, 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 scary. It was so scary. And I remember one year, I'm like, I don't want to be a part of the cast. I want to, like, go through the ride. So I put me in the wheelbarrow. And I will never forget, because at the end of that night, I was scared. I'm talking about, like, I think I peed a little bit. I was scared. I said, I will never go to hell. I will never go to hell. I will do whatever I can to not go to hell because I'm just thinking, while I was on the ride, while we were in the course, I'm thinking, when is this over? But can you imagine being in hell knowing this will never be over? No one's coming to save me, ever. And I knew at that point I wanted to be safe from hell. I want to be safe. But safe versus saved is completely different. I wanted to be safe from hell, but I didn't want to be saved from sin. Why? Because I was still attracted to it. It felt good. It looked good. It tasted good. It was attractive. I had lots of friends when I was completely indulged in sin. I had lots of friends. So giving up on the sin meant giving up on my friends. Giving up on the sin means giving up on the parties and my uh, social status and how I look to the world. Man, give, turning my back on sin was almost like turning my back on the world. I just want to be saved from hell. I don't necessarily want to be saved from my sin. Living safe is that red Mustang. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says this. But know this, that in the last days... A perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. I can't help it. I can't help it, baby. You know I can't help it. You know I got a problem. Brutal, despisers of good, for traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. In the last days, there'll be a world full of red Mustangs with four cylinders and one tailpipe. Listen. 
I'm saved. I'm not safe. But I'm, I'm not safe from hardship. I'm not safe from hunger. I'm not safe from a lack of support. I'm not safe from hurt, and I'm not safe from pain. But I'm saved from sin and the power of sin in my life. Sin does not have power over me, but because I'm saved, I have power over sin. Many of us have had this form of godliness. So it's not like I'm sitting up here talking down to you. Many of us have had it because it's a level of our maturity. On the outside, the posturing, the language, we look at people, we study people, we study people's habits, we go to church, we watch Pastor John, we watch all the people. Okay, that's what you do. Okay, yes, all right, got, 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 got it. But it comes a point in time that we need to look under the hood and see what's going on in the contents of our heart. Do I have any power? How many of us burn with the burden of saving unsaved people at our job, our family members, our unsaved friends? Not many of us. How many of us can boldly go to the steps of City Hall and pray without ceasing, without being ashamed? Not many of us. How many of us can grab a coworker's hand and pray for them because they've asked you, can you pray for, you're a Christian, right? Can you pray for me? How many of us would grab their hands and pray for them right then and there while everyone's watching? Not many of us. Why? Because too many of us are far too safe to be saved. Too many of us are far too concerned with what it looks like on the outside, what our imagery looks like to the world to be saved. Many of us want to be the safe black guy. I'm sorry, the safe Christian. It's like, yeah, yeah, they're a Christian, but they're cool. No, no, it's cool. You don't have to put the crack away. They're a Christian, but they're cool. No, it's okay. You can go ahead and keep beating your wife. They're a Christian, but they're cool. No, it's okay. You can go ahead and keep the sin. They're coming. They're a Christian, but they're cool. Safe Christian, not saved. The best tool the enemy uses in our life is fear. At the start of the scripture, it says, I am not ashamed, which means I am not afraid. The enemy loves to use fear as a tool in our life. Why? Because no voice, no power, no power, no purpose. I say it all the time. If Satan can get, get us to abort our power and our voice, he has allowed us and talked us into aborting our purpose. Satan says this, if I can make Christianity the most uncool, most unhip, most um, un, um, um, the most un, 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 unentertainable part of this world, I can allow and leave their, the Christians feeling powerless. So what the world and what, the, what Satan has done is make Christianity so uncool that everybody wants to be the safe Christian friend. I promise when I come in, I won't ruffle your feathers. It used to bother me that when I walk in a room, people would be like, yeah, man, boop, 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 and I told that boop, boop, and I said, you can boop, boop, and I walk in, and they said, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I used to say, no, no, it's okay. But she's like, you know what? No, yeah, you're right. No problem, I forgive you. Why? Because they're acknowledging and they're respecting on who I carry. They know she's a Christian. The presence of the Lord has just walked into this place. Why? Because I'm carrying Jesus on the inside of me. Why should they not apologize? I'm a bearer of the glory of God. When someone looks at you and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Don't say it's okay. Say, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're respecting the presence that you carry. John 10 and 10 says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What? Your voice, your power, your purpose. 
He tries to talk you into being safe, not saved. But Paul says, I am not ashamed. I am not afraid. Satan's crafty works of trying to shame Paul into shutting up didn't work. Apostles Paul's readings and uh, writings have changed our lives, all of ours. Paul lost friends for the sake of preaching the gospel. He was beat for the sake of teaching the gospel. He suffered with lack, not enough money, not enough food, not enough resources for the sake of preaching the gospel. What have you lost? What have, how has the gospel or Christianity affected your life? If your answer is nothing, baby, you have not done anything yet. That means you are safe. You are not saved. I'm calling you to be alive today. I'm shaking you from your slumber today. And I'm saying it's time for you to take your power back, Red Mustang. Why? Because we are not safe. Can you imagine Christianity if Paul would have ever just shut up? Because he's tired of being beat. He's tired of being imprisoned. Because he wanted to go to parties. Because he wanted to live a normal life. Can you imagine what our lives would be like if Paul didn't do what he was called to do? Well, now, can you imagine what the people around you, what their lives could be like if you did do what you were called to do in their life? If you did say what you were called to say in their lives? If you did control yourself the way that you're called to control yourself so that you can be a good witness? What would people's lives look like if you begin to not just be safe, but be saved? What tragedy, what tragedy we have all around us because we choose to be safe, floating on our little floating devices, all out there by ourselves saying, I just don't want to go to hell. I'm not really concerned with anybody else. Lord, you know my heart. I just, I'm just here hiding behind on the side of the toilet in the stall while everybody else is getting shot up and dying. That's what you're saying. Well, there's a room full of people Dying without the knowledge of Christ. Why? Because God placed you to be a light set upon the hill that people may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But yet and still, you hide your light and shine it bright at church. But when you're going home and when you're at work, you're hiding it so desperately because you don't want to be the uh, not-so-safe Christian. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9, it says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, but not that there should be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul talking. But be thou partakers of the affliction, the affliction of the gospel, according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own power and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's time to be fierce. It's time to not just enjoy your freedom for you, but be fierce. Meaning be that lion that roars. Be that voice in the wilderness for somebody. Be that lighthouse for somebody that's lost at sea and they're just looking for anybody that has any hope. Be the light. Turn your light on so they can say, baby, your hope and your salvation has come because I'm a bearer of Jesus. I'm not safe. I'm saved. When you decide to make that switch from safe to save, you become a target to the enemy. Because why? Because now you're contending his work. 
You're saying, yeah, you may have been able to do your work over there, but over here, I am saved and I'm a carrier of the glory of God, which means you're going to come in and mess up some of his programs. I'm getting ready to close, but I want to tell you this story. I was driving on the freeway in my red Mustang. <laughs> I was working for the investment firm. You have to be there about the start when the stock market opens. We're on the East Coast. The stock market opens at 7. But over here on the West Coast, it's around 4.30. Dark 30, okay? It was dark 30. Pouring rain. I mean, I'm talking about the kind of rain where you can't barely see. It's just sheets of rain coming down. And I'll never forget coming onto the freeway. I was in Vallejo this time because I was greedy and I decided to get off the freeway and get something to eat. I should have just stayed on the freeway, but I didn't. I was hungry and I let my appetite. But anyway, so I'm getting back on the freeway, pouring down sheets of rain at, at dark 30. And when it's dark like that and it's raining like that and you, you're getting on the freeway and you look to see the cars coming, you can't really see how close they are to you. You just see headlights, just headlights everywhere because it was dark and it was raining. And it's okay. I'm in a red Mustang. So what do I do? I just gun it. I just gun it onto the freeway. I push the gas, gun it. Wherever they're at, it's fine. I'll beat them. I'm in the Mustang. And it was after that first hit of that semi truck that I knew I didn't make it. And there I go, sailing down the freeway, spinning, spin, 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 spin. And I look out the window, and here comes the lights of a second semi-truck. And I'm like, oh, he's going to hit me. I'm like, Jesus, here, I'm about to die. Here I come. And he hits me. That second semi-truck hits the car. Smash. Sends me cruising forward. I don't know how many yards, but it was out there and it's just spin 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 and I'm thinking I'm dying I'm gonna die I'm gonna die and the car stopped spinning and I was alive and I'm like wait am I in heaven oh no I'm, a, I'm alive and everything in the car was smashed to the driver's seat everything everything only thing was in place was the driver's seat and the and the steering wheel it was just like everything went I remember I couldn't get out on either side because there's no doors. But the window, the glass had shattered on the driver's side. So I remember climbing out of the window. I have the scar on my back to this day. Climbing out of the window, the glass is just cutting me as I'm climbing out. And I'm like, I don't care because I feel like at this point, I'm probably going to die because the car is going to blow up. So I'm climbing out of the window when there's this, this uh, just line of headlights. All the traffic has stopped. And I'm stuck struggling to climb out of this window, man, because the glass is just cutting my back up. I finally get out of the window, and I'm 19, so I'm crying. I'm sobbing. I'm looking for somebody to hug. I'm... And there's people outside of their cars, and they're all standing there, and I was wondering, wonder why they didn't come help me get out of the car. So I'm walking toward the line of cars and headlights on the freeway, and the first man that's standing there was just one of the drivers of the semi-truck, I just went to his arms, and I just fell into his arms, and I was hugging him. I didn't care if he was hugging me back, but I was just crying because I thought I was going to die that day, and I was so scared, and I remember looking up at him, and he's crying, and he's sobbing, and the other truck driver, they're crying. They're like, are you okay? We thought you were dead. We were 
were like, is that somebody climbing out of the car? And he said, we didn't go help you because we thought the car was going to blow up. He said, I was so scared. I thought I was going to die. And I'm looking at him like, dude, this is my story. I, look at my car. You're fine. Your truck is fine. But he was scared. He was so scared. He says, I've never gotten to a car accident before. He said, I thought I was going to die. I'm like, I'm not being strong for you. You be strong for me, mister, stranger, whoever you are. Hug me. But what it made me realize is that when I needed that Mustang to have power, it didn't. It failed me. When I pushed on the gas pedal and I thought that it would send me out there and save me and make me safe from danger, it didn't. And not only that, but it almost cost the lives of other people. The lack of power that I had and the lack of power that my car had didn't just affect me. It affected other people. There were other people on that freeway trying to make it to work. There were other people on that freeway that had plans, had things that they were supposed to do. But there it was, the entire freeway shut down because Kaya and her red Mustang thought that she had power and she had none. Because she wasn't concerned with the power until the power almost cost her her life. How many casualties, casualties would there be in this city because TBCF is ashamed? Because TBCF is ashamed of the power of God unto salvation. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing from who? Hearing from you. They'll know because they heard it from you. Because why? They know where you came from, just like you know where you came from. They've seen your past the same way you've seen your past. They've seen some things that you were into the same way you knew of some things that you were into. They saw where you could have been, should have been, and would have been, yet it has been, yet if it wasn't for me, for Jesus. So when you open your mouth and you release and be a conduit to God's power, they're going to listen. They're going to say, this person's not fake. This person isn't one of those crazy Christians. Woo! This person's real. I know what happened to him. I know what happened to her. So I'm going to listen. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. If you call yourself living for Christ, but yet you don't allow the word of God to come out of you and come through you, if you're not girding yourself in the word, if you're not disciplining yourself in the word, if you don't know the word, baby, one day somebody's going to open up the hood of your heart and push the pedal of your gas pedal and nothing's going to happen. And I wonder how many lives is going to be taken out because you chose to be a powerless Christian, because you chose to be safe from hell but not saved unto salvation. For those of us that are living the powerless life today, today is the day we get our power back. For those of us that have lived a voiceless life, today is the day we receive our voice back. For those of us that have lived a purposeless life, today is the day we stand and move in our purpose. We're going to do things like the prayer walk like we just had. We're going to go out into the streets of Sassoon and we will not be ashamed. 
I don't care if we're sitting and standing on the steps of City Hall like we did last Tuesday. I'm telling you, I closed my eyes and I didn't care about all the people that were with us. I felt an indignation come over me. It was almost like the atmosphere was challenging me to be intimidated or to draw back in my faith. And so me being the warrior that I am, I upped it up. I upped it. I wanted to one-up Satan. I said, not only am I going to pray, I'm going to sing a hymn on the steps of City Hall that you think this city belongs to you, but I'm declaring and I'm claiming it for Jesus Christ because I am not safe. I am saved. And as long as I am in this city, this city is not safe because I am a carrier of the Most High God. And until the day I live, every day I live, I will release and be a conduit of his power. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody is safe when somebody declares and decides to be saved for Jesus Christ. We're not going to be safe during the Christmas outreach. We're not going to be safe. They're coming out there to give a, to get a toy. No, they're coming out there to get hope, to get the light of the world. They are not safe. When all of us begin to work the line and ask them, how are they? And give them hugs and say, can I pray with you? This city is not safe. No one's safe. When we decide that we're not only going to get together and break bread together and, and, and open up the Bible together, not just in the church, in the sanctuary, but in our homes, at Starbucks, at Panera, outside in the park, nobody's safe because we are mobilizing no longer are we going to hide in our churches and sit on our pews and collect dust while the enemy is running rampant in this city. We will not hide on the sides of toilets in the stalls. We will not hide on our floating devices floating in the sea while this world is dying. No one's safe. When we make up our mind that I will not be safe. Enemy, here I am. Let me be your target. Because I'm saved how do I know that I'm ready for perilous times? How do I know that I'm ready for the end times that we wrote about, that we read about? Because I'm practicing being saved right now. Do you know the end times are coming? Well, we can't, we're not going to be able to gather openly. It might get to a point where it's underground churches, where believing Jesus might cost us our life, might cost our kids their lives. How am I going to teach my kids to not deny Jesus when someone's pointing a gun at their face saying, deny Jesus and you'll live? How am I going to teach them to be strong and courageous if I'm whimpering in my workplaces? If I'm afraid for my unfriend, unsaved friends to know that I'm saved, how am I going to teach my kids to be warriors for Jesus, to be the Joshua generation? How am I going to teach them that? When I'm scared to offend my Jehovah Witness friends. When I'm scared to offend my friends who believe and love Buddha. How am I going to teach my kids to be warriors when I'm whimpering and drawing back because I'm timid. And I want to be the safe black guy. I mean the safe Christian. The end times are going to require us to be bold. And I pray that you were always forever remembering my voice telling you don't you be safe even if it costs you your life if they hold a gun to your face and say deny Jesus don't you be safe because everything that you've practiced everything that you've been disciplined in will come down to that moment 
will it all be for nothing? Because you whimpered and you withdraw back. God, the Bible says God has no pleasure in a drawback spirit. He wants warriors that are fierce and free. Don't just be free for yourself. Be free for this world. Be fierce. Walk in the sight of Satan and says, I will not draw down. I will not back up. I'm going to be more fierce. God's calling us to one-up the devil. Why? Because we have the power over sin and death. Don't be safe. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am not safe. Say it like you mean it. Say, I am not safe. I'm going to read this and I'm going to declare it over you one more time. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Greek first, to the Jews first, and then to the Greek. I am not safe. Altar call is going to be completely different today. Today I'm not calling you to the altar. Today I'm calling you to the altar of the world. I'm calling you to spotlight and let the whole world see you. Go on your social media. I challenge you. I dare you. I double dog dare you to go on social media and write, I am not safe. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm challenging you to do. If you want to answer to this altar call right now, go on your social media, grab your phones right now. I challenge you right now because if you wait, you won't do it. Listen, no one's looking at you but you. No one's looking at you but you. So are you going to be safe? Are you going to be saved? God says, I put before you blessings and cursings. You choose ye this day who you will serve. Sometimes I wish God just chose for us. Lord, just make me a robot. Let me just do whatever it is that you're making me do. Let me just be a puppet. But when God says, no, choose ye this day, he's saying, are you going to be safe or are you going to be saved? Will you whimper because the world is watching you and you might lose some friends or you might be challenged to imprisonment or you might lose some money or you might lose some food or you might lose some positioning in this world? Will you back down and you be timid? Will you cower on the side of the toilet in the stall while everyone else is dying? Or will you stand firm and flat foot with your arms outraised and says, I am not safe. Here I am, a believer of Jesus Christ. I know what he did for me then. I know what he's doing for me now. And I know what he'll do for me on the other side of eternity this world might have my body but they will never have my soul why because I am not safe I am saved and I am marked and I'm sealed by the Spirit of God I know what God done for me my sins I can't even I can't even add them up it's too many it's too great I don't know why he didn't just throw me out with the rest of the garbage I don't I don't know but all I know is he deemed me good he deemed me holy. He deemed me good enough to give this message to you. I don't know why he chose to give me a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 177th times. I don't know why he did, but I know what? For the rest of my days, I'll serve him. Philippians 1, 21 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you can stand to your feet today. 
At the end of it all, I want my answer to be, I've run my race. I finished my course. I don't know how many times I've thought about this at the gym. It's literally like 15 minutes into the workout, and I'm like, this is so hard. But at the end of my workout, I want to be like, woo, I did that. That was hard. But guess what? I did that. It makes it just this sense of accomplishment when it's like, yeah, it's not easy. It's hard. But guess what? I finished my race. I finished my course. I want that to be my answer when it comes to the things of God. I want God to say, well done. Thy good and thy faithful servant. Not only were you free, but you were fierce. Not only were you safe, but you were saved. Not only did you preach, but you taught your kids to never, ever deny Christ, no matter what the world says that it will cost them. Our salvation will be great. Our confidence is costly. To have those leather pants moments coming out in leather pants, dude, that confidence is going to cost you something. Nobody knows what it took for you to stand in that confidence. Nobody knew what it took for me to stand in those leather pants with my hands on my hip saying I'm confident. But no one knew how I had to claw my way to that moment of confidence. Because everything the world told me is that I was done, that I should be full of shame, that I was a sinner, that I was not good enough, that I messed up, that I was ugly, that I was too this, too that, too whatever. But to have the leather pants moments and saying, I know what I've done to get here. And it was all Jesus. And I'm going to stand in my confidence. I'm going to be free and I'm going to be fierce. So I challenge all of you today. Just to make that declaration to the world that you are not safe. Take the blinders off. What's that song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound saved a hot mess like me. I once was lost, thank God I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I see I need a savior. Because when I get from underneath the umbrella of Christ, I'm a hot mess right back again. I need him. We all need him. One more time. Say, I am not safe. You got to say it like you mean it, church. Say, I am not safe. Amen, amen, amen. Give God some praise today. Well, if any of you are in here today that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to let you know that this whole thing, this whole day, this whole message, everybody that's sitting in the seats next to you, whatever, it's all for you. The whole thing. It's almost like God's been planning a wedding and this is it. And he's planned every detail about what the message would be like, what the worship would be like, how would it affect that your heart, how it would stir in your spirit. He planned out the whole thing. And now we're just asking you to come to the front. It's not a walk of shame. It's not a walk of being embarrassed. It's a walk of victory. And I want to remind you that every single saved believer has taken this walk. And today is your victory walk. And I want to invite you to come to the front. And when you walk up, I don't want you to walk up like, 
I want you to walk up like a sprinter that just ran a race and they want to be sure that they touch the, the, the finish line first. I want you to walk up like... That's what they do, right, Erica? They, they lean in. If that's any of you today, I want you to lean in. Come cross this finish line because this is the first day of the best day of your life. And I'd love to be a part of it. Is there anybody like that today? I want to invite you up. Now's your time. Now's your chance. Come on up. We want to celebrate you. We want to hug you. We want to invite you to our tribe, to our crazy family with a bunch of crazy relatives. But we all love Jesus. Is that anybody? Is anybody like that today? Amen. We're all on our way to heaven. I want all of you guys to raise your hands. Heavenly Father, thank you for every hand that's raised. Thank you for every life that's been lifted up before you this morning. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for every word that we heard. Now, God, I'm asking that by your spirit that you add to that word, perfect it in our hearts and in our minds. God, we don't want to just be hearers today. We want to be doers of your word. God, we only know that we only come to the saving grace by the power of God. So God, now let the power that you promised us be evident in our lives. God, let us no longer be safe, but be saved. Let us be an enemy, a, 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 a challenge to the devil, no longer playing it safe. God, I pray that you open up our lives and our mind. God, do whatever you want to do with our lives. We pour out ourselves as a drink offering before you, oh God. Have your way, God. We pray that your kingdom come and that your will be done in our lives and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Yes! That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.